Hello and welcome to Incision UK in conversation with. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Tamara Fitzgerald. Dr. Fitzgerald is a pediatric surgeon in the United States of America. Thank you so much for accepting to do this with us today. Sure, yes, I'm happy to join. Are you happy to introduce yourself for our audience? I'm Dr. Fitzgerald. I am a pediatric surgeon, um, and I'm also involved in global health efforts. Um, I do capacity building in pediatric global surgery, and I've been doing that since 2013. All right, great. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you actually got involved in global, um, in global health and uh, building surgical capacity in pediatrics, as you're saying? Yes. Um, well, when I was in medical school, um, I was always drawn to global health, um, but I also felt that I wanted to pursue surgery. And at the time, Global surgery um, was not really a phrase or a thing like it is now. Um, the different models that I saw um, were really that people um, would go and work in like mission hospitals or something like this, but I didn't really know anybody that was doing um, academic global surgery. And so during medical school, I actually went on a rotation um, to Cameroon and I worked with a surgeon there for a month. Um, and that was a very positive experience for me. I think um, I encountered a lot of what the surgical needs are, um, but going through my training um, in residency and fellowship, it wasn't really clear to me how I would incorporate that into what I was doing. Um, and then when at the end of my fellowship, Drew Asgatis, who is a pediatric surgeon, um, he actually came as an attending to my program and he had been working in Uganda uh, for some years. And so I was able to go to Uganda with him. And I think a lot of, I still work with him and a lot of um, what I do, I kind of base it on the model that he set for me. And you were trying to find a way to incorporate those two words and areas that you were interested in. So now that you are, a qualified surgeon and attending, how do you still combine them? So, because during your training, you are able to do rotation, you are able to go there. Um, how does it work now that you're working full-time as a pediatric surgeon in a big institution? Yeah, I think academic surgery, um, it's very well understood that that contains three components, um, no matter what field of research you're in, and that would be research, um, clinical care, and teaching. Um, and I think all of those things can be present in global surgery in varying degrees or another. Um, so the main area where I work is in Uganda, and I'm involved there with a pediatric surgery fellowship. So when I go to Uganda, um, I don't really focus as much on clinical care on my own. I'm really focused on doing cases and taking care of patients with the fellows who are in training and trying to teach them and pass on whatever skills I can. And then I also have some research projects that I'm working on both with um, the fellows that we have there 
and um, with some biomedical engineering students and with students um, that I have at my university. Great, that's very interesting. How, how did that sort of um, relationship came about? So you going there at uh, training local fellow and sort of building local capacity. Was this uh, a project that you started or was it something that was already ongoing? Um, well, every the program that we have in Uganda is actually started by John Sakabira, um, who is a local surgeon in Uganda for a long time. He was the only practicing pediatric surgeon in Uganda. Um, and at some point, he and Daruk Azgades um, started working together and formed a partnership. And I think one thing they identified is that the country needed more pediatric surgeons, as is the case in most of Sub-Saharan Africa. And so they kind of started talking about how they could train more people um, to go into pediatric surgery. And that's about the time that I became involved. And so um, basically we've just kind of over the years, we've evolved to a point where we are training fellows and they're a part of um, the COCSEXA certification pathway. Um, and we've had now four fellows that have trained and have passed their boards and we have five fellows right now who are currently in training. Can, can you tell us what is the COCSASA um, certification? Um, well, COCSASA is the College of Surgeons of East, Southern, and Central Africa. Um, and it includes several of the countries um, in East, Central, and Southern Africa, such as Malawi, Mozambique, Tanzania, Uganda, um, Rwanda, kind of that area. Um, and so basically, um, kind of as we have in our system, the fellows would go through clinical training. Um, they have a certain number of years that they have to do clinical training, and they also need to record their case volumes. Um, and if they're in a certified program at the end of that, they can take both a written board exam and an oral board exam. And if they pass those two exams, um, then they receive their COCSEXA certification. And then they, there's a um, meeting usually every year that meets in one of the COCSEXA countries and the graduates receive their diplomas at that meeting. Wow, that's great, thank you. Um, my next question still related to global surgery and your work there. So I first discovered you in a way because you made a, a presentation a few years ago titled um, Global Surgery, The Bold New Face of Colonialism, The Learning Curve. And I want to hear your take on sort of the progress that you've seen with global surgery throughout the years and especially since um, since your talk, the improvements you would like to see there. Um, and just, yes, just your, your take on the movement and the different areas because you are talking about building local capacity and you do this as an educator. But there are various different ways people are uh, involved in, in global sur surgery. So I would love to sort of hear you your take on, on that movement? Yeah, well, I think certainly um, in high income countries and definitely in the United States, traditionally there has been a big emphasis on what I would kind of call like the mission model. Um, and kind of the idea there is that 
surgeons out of compassion, they see the need, um, and traditionally we've organized very large and complicated trips um, to go to low-income countries, and during those mission trips, they may just be a few weeks or a few months in length. Um, we've tried to do as many cases as we possibly can, and I think that's the model that has existed for a long time, and when people think about global surgery, that's often what comes into our minds. But I think what we don't, um, the problem with that model is I think it doesn't really respect um, the local providers in low and middle income countries. And it also doesn't build up um, their system and their capacity for really being able to step into their calling as surgeons. Um, so in that talk, um, I was basically encouraging people, you know, if you have, if you are involved in missions, I don't think we should just stop those because I think they're well-intentioned. Um, but instead, I think we should think more about looking at what's locally going on and how can we help um, local people to solve local problems so that in the future, um, they won't need us anymore, basically. That's that's actually, that's great. And that's really how I feel about this as well. And it's true that usually, even now, sometimes I would talk about global surgery and, and, and people really only think about this mission type of, of things. So it's, it's great that um, there is this co component of local capacity building. And I recently I saw in the news that Ethiopia, they did their first um, hard um, uh, their first like heart operation I don't remember which one it was but it was full with only Ethiopian surgeon and a full Ethiopian team and that was really great to just see the the progress there yeah and I think um some of it it just really takes us changing our mindset and some of our stereotypes I think sometimes in high-income countries we kind of live with the thought that only we can do these complicated procedures or only we know how to do things. And in a lot of people's minds, it doesn't even cross our minds um, that our colleagues who are in low and middle income countries are just as capable, if not more capable, of doing those kinds of procedures and even more complicated procedures. And I just think we really need to kind of change our mindset and the way that we see our colleagues who are operating in different environments than we are. I totally agree with that. So to go back to global surgery again, um, what are the type of progresses that you want to see going forward? Yeah. At least in your field. Um, so for example, in Uganda, for a long time, there was only one pediatric surgeon um, and the country has about 39 million people, half of which are children. Um, right now, with the pediatric surgeons um, that have been trained and the fellows that are in training, um, we have about nine um, or 10 pediatric surgeons. And I think for the size of the country, we probably need about 200. So um, I think I would just really like to see that capacity continue to grow. Um, I would just like to see, well, and I am seeing people just becoming um, independent surgeons and independent investigators. Um, so yeah, I would really like to see it to a point, well, 
I'll just say this, at my old job, they always used to make me buy travel insurance um, before I would go on any of my global health trips. And the whole point of travel insurance is that something, if something happens to you in another country and they need to airlift you out to go get medical care, you need travel insurance to cover that. And I would like to see Sub-Saharan Africa become a place where you don't have to get airlifted out, that they have just as good, if not better, better medical care than we have here. Thank you so much for this. And what would you consider to be the biggest or some of the biggest challenges for that vision to happen right now? Yeah, there's a lot of challenges. I think one is that the way things have been set up is so fragmented. So a lot of times you have a lot of different organizations. You could have nonprofits and NGOs, um, both faith-based and non-faith-based organizations. There's government organizations. Um, and a lot of times those organizations are not communicating with one another. And they're often working in silos on different problems. Um, for example, you may have a hospital which only does like pediatric neurosurgery. And then you may have another hospital that only does pediatric orthopedics. And so I think for a long time, this has kind of been the model. And I would like to see all of these organizations be able to come together and communicate better about the best way forward to go for children's care. And I do think there is a lot of progress being made in this area. Um, I think there have been local meetings and local groups that have tried to unite people. Um, there's also an organization called Global Initiative in Children's Surgery, uh, which are certainly doing a lot of work to unite people even across countries and across disciplines. Um, so I think that's one challenge. Um, I think another challenge is just the medical system is very complex. And in order to do surgical care, there's a lot of different things that need to go into it. You don't just need surgeons, you need anesthesiologists and you need critical care doctors and you need nurses who are trained in surgical care and you need um, pediatric specialists, you know, from other disciplines. And so I think in order to have surgery be successful, you really need to build up the whole healthcare system. Um, and so we need to be thinking about how we can, from a policy level, create jobs for people and just be able to create resources so that these types of things can happen and can grow the way they're supposed to. And so far, what do you think has been the biggest achieve achievement in global pediatric surgery? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I just think there's a lot of people working very hard to improve the system in a lot of ways. I don't know if there's any one um, achievement that really stands out to me. Well, me, I would, I would say that just the number that you're telling me about of the pediatric fellow growing, it's, it's, it's great. And, and also the, the certification, I guess, I, well, I don't know, actually, has this always been there? Or is it something fairly recent, the COXA certification? COXA, well, they just celebrated their 20th um, meeting. So they've been around for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. I honestly, don't know at what point they started the certification program 
Um, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it's relatively young. And I think it's a great step forward and it's very important because as surgeons come together and have their groups and um, they're better, they're better able to advocate for your patients when we work together and we're not working alone, basically. That's yes, that does make a, a lot of sense. And um, and for the people listening, especially maybe the the students, um, how do you think we could best get involved to our level? Yeah, I mean, I think the first step is to find a mentor um, who is engaging in global surgery in a way that you admire or that you want to engage in. Um, a lot of those mentors may have research projects that could um, you could get involved in, or you could also um, just maybe be able to go with them sometime when they go on a trip or on a rotation. Um, I think that's really the best way to get involved is to go and just start meeting people and start learning about um, what's currently being done. And there's a lot of those opportunities out there. For the last 15, let's say 15 to 10 minutes, um, I'd like to talk to you a bit about being a woman um, in global pediatric surgery. So it, it's, it, seems, it seems like it is quite a, a, a sort of not a niche specialty, but there's not a lot of global, there's not a lot a lot of global pediatric surgeon. Are there a lot of women global in in global pediatric surgery? Um, I feel like I know a fair number of women who are in global pediatric surgery. Um, in general, surgery traditionally has more men than women, um, and that's also true in pediatric surgery. So I think in terms of just numbers, there probably are more men involved in pediatric surgery global pediatric surgery, but um, there are some women who are involved as well. And if we were to talk just about being so, sort of a woman in, in a male-dominated um, field, how was the journey for you from your decision in medical school up until now? Um, yeah, so how, how, how was the journey? Yeah, so... Um, when I was in medical school, I actually wasn't even considering doing surgery. I thought surgery would probably be the last thing that I would do. And part of that was um, just my biases and my misconceptions about what surgery was like. I kind of thought that if I went into surgery, um, it was male-dominated and people might not be nice. <laughs> um, I also kind of wrongly thought that, you know, I'm, I want to someday be a mom and I'm not sure if that will be compatible with surgery. So I actually did surgery as my first rotation in medical school because I thought I better just do that first and get it over with. Um, but when I did surgery, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I really liked the idea that you could, in a very profound way, change the course of what happens to a patient. Um, and there was a lot of instant gratific gratification with that. Um, so yeah, I ended up choosing surgery. And I have to say, um, it's been a good journey. Um, I have two kids, they're now 11 and 13, and they were both born during my surgery residency. Um, and I feel that 
they have a lot of positive experiences um, and positive influences from having a surgeon who's a mom. Um, I feel like that hasn't always been easy to balance at all times, but um, I feel like we're doing it. And um, in terms of, I feel like surgery has, the places that I've been have always been very supportive of women in surgery. And I feel like that has not really been an issue for me in my career. But I do know that there's other women that um, would say differently. It's, it's actually very good to hear that uh, someone didn't, <laughs> didn't have, um, yes, yeah, so that, that at least you, you had a good experience and that's something that is, is possible. It's, it gives a bit of hope. Um, so so would, would you say that being a woman for you has not put you at any disadvantage throughout your career or as that didn't really color your experience that much? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the one downside of being a woman in surgery is the years that you're going through surgical training. Um, the process wasn't really made up with um, motherhood and having children in mind. And so I think if I could change one thing about the process, um, it would take into account a little bit more that while you're training, you know, you're kind of in your 20s and 30s. Those are your prime childbearing years. Um, and the process is not really ideal for that. Um, but yeah, otherwise I would say all of my colleagues that I have worked with, um, have always been very respectful and supportive. Um, and I really love surgery and I really love working with the people that I've worked with. And I feel fortunate to have so many good colleagues in my life. Thank you so much. So what would let's say Dr. Fitzgerald of 2020, say to yourself when you're a first year medical student? Hmm. Well, I think I would tell myself um, to worry less and that everything is gonna work out fine. Um, I think I would also tell myself to have more fun along the way. I feel like sometimes these, um, you know, we go through school and we go through our training process and um, a lot of times we have a lot of unknowns about where we're going to end up or where we're going or how that's going to look. Um, and I think it's kind of easy sometimes not to enjoy the season that we're in. And so I think I would just go back and tell myself not to worry so much about the unknowns, but just to enjoy the process and enjoy the season that we're in. Um, and in the end, um, I think that the things that we're really passionate about, we will have opportunities and we'll be able to make opportunities for ourselves um, in order to see those things happen. What would Tamara, first year medical student, say to Dr. Fitzgerald if she was talking to you today, seeing your career path and your achievement? Yeah, I guess um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I think she would be happy and she might even be kind of surprised um, that things kind of ended up where they did. Like I said, I feel like there was a lot of unknowns, especially around um, the global surgery part of my career. I think in, in academic surgery, 
traditionally, if you follow like a basic science pathway or an outcomes research pathway, um, a lot of people have gone before you in that and the pathway is a lot more straightforward. Um, but I think those of us that have pursued global surgery early on, um, we've kind of been making up our own pathway or just figuring out what works. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy with kind of where I am and what I'm doing. And there's been a lot of surprises along the way. And I don't know if I would have anticipated that I would be getting to do all the things that I'm getting to do today. So. And so to follow up on that and close up on this interview, what would you consider your greatest, uh, let's say, professional achievement? or achievement, whichever way you want to take it, either professional or overall? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the thing um, that brings me the most satisfaction is when I see people who I've been involved in mentoring or training, uh, when I see them go out into the world and really succeed and even do things that um, I didn't necessarily teach them how to do, but just things that they took the initiative and picked up on their own. Um, I think that's probably the most satisfying thing right now for me. Thank you so much, Dr. Fitzgerald. This was amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you very much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon.